You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 131. Unfortunately, I didn't have sexual integrity to guide me. I didn't have self-worth to guide me. I didn't know I was truly divine. I was told I was a dirty glass of water because I was having sex with people. Y'all, this episode was so much fun. It's recorded live from the Goosecast podcast stage over at Wild Goose Festival in Hot Springs, North Carolina. Uh, We recorded this over Labor Day weekend, and I introduce Brenda at the start of that, so I'm not going to do any introduction here. We can just get into it. (laughs) Or as I typically say, let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome. We're here coming to you live from Wild Goose Festival. I... It's so fun. This is the third time on the Goosecast stage for Queerology, and I am here with Brenda Marie Davies, who graciously stepped in. (laughs) (laughs) So Brenda is an author, podcaster, and YouTuber. Uh, Her channel, God is Gray, a guide to becoming an inquisitive, fearless, sex-positive, free-thinking Christian in the modern world, has over 135,000 subscribers, which is, like, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Her book, which just came out a few months ago, On Her Knees, a memoir of a prayerful Jezebel, chronicles Brenda's spiritual journey over the course of a decade in L.A. through marriage, divorce, unlikely friendship, and sexual exploration. Told with raw honesty, you have it here. Look at it. It's a beautiful cover. Like, I love the cover of your book. Oh, I love the cover, too. I I put in a little fight for that one. It's so good. Yeah, as you should. Yeah. <laughs> this is a story for anyone who wonders if it's possible to love God without fearing sex in all its shades of gray. Yeah, it's so good. 
So Brenda, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having yeah, thanks me. Thanks for joining me. So to start, the question I ask everyone, how do you identify and how has your faith helped form that identity? This is a really hard one. It's very broad. Kevin Garcia has been walking me around and their leading definition of me is bisexual. So I'll go with that because that is interesting and that is brand new and I'm very excited about it. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Yeah. I had a moment in quarantine (laughs) where I had like a a Rolodex of women I've had crushes on since childhood and it was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. So that's been fun. I don't know if I'd put that as my first thing though. I would say author, mother, friend, and lover, but truly sexuality is very important to me and it was it's been very important to me for a really long time and one of my greatest fears when i was in middle school going to church i really kept having this sense that i was going to be a sex educator and i was terrified because i was like i don't want to talk to anyone about sex if you would have told me i'd be walking around in a festival with virginity crossed out and sexual debut on my shirt and have no Christians throwing rocks at me, I would be like, what is this utopian land you speak of? I don't understand. (laughs) So it's beautiful how everything works out. But, um, and I've always been a writer. I would definitely define myself as that. And then motherhood and sexuality, all of these things, like my YouTube channel, God is gray has taught me so much about deconstructing, not only my faith with Christianity, but patriarchal ideals and gender and my femininity and womanhood and whether or not I'm allowed to speak freely and all of these things that you deconstruct, whether or not Christopher Columbus is the hero of America. There's so many lies that we're told growing up and unpacking them has been really an exclusively spiritual journey because Jesus has always been very resonant with me since I was a little girl, especially the name Jeshua, like just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And it, everything has been about that. It went from what I call a casual Catholic sex silent upbringing. So there was like kind of sexual shame, but nothing overt. And then when I went to the evangelical church at 12 years old, that's when I learned sexual shame for real, for real. But I would have gotten it culturally and I did. I would have gotten it from society and I did and friends and everything because it permeates all of us. So breaking free of that now, I would say my identity as a writer, as a mom, as a lover, as a friend, as a sexual being is still informed by my faith and how I honor that with integrity and embodiment and and being a fully realized woman of God or divine, which is something I feel more comfortable with term-wise. So, I mean, I'm curious about that journey, like you've alluded to it, but going from this place of shame and not only around your sexuality, but what it means to be a woman in the world, like all of those things to, to where your work now is so, I mean, I want to use the word outspoken, but that's not the right word for it. I mean, you're just being you, but, but you're being you in a way that is, I mean, you're, you're taking up space. And I, I really appreciate that about you, but I know like being able to speak confidently <laughs> publicly, I mean, that just doesn't just happen. Like there's a journey that comes with that. And, and I'd be curious, like, I, how did you get to where you are from where you were? Thank you for this question. I have always been an outspoken woman, girl, but like also selectively so like i remember when i was eight years old i auditioned for this school play and my mom had baked a cake 
and gotten me a, like a toy because she was really afraid that I was going to come home fully rejected because I didn't get the part because I was introverted and and quiet in school and and then this like voice burst out of me at eight when because I knew I had it in me this like little Broadway girl singer voice and I got the part immediately and I came to my mom's car and I was like Woo! like celebrating and she was like oh so this is a celebration cake this isn't a comforting cake (laughs) and that's really one of the first times i learned the power of my voice and how to be selective about when you're sharing it and when you're holding back and why you're doing that my dad is an expert storyteller he really taught me the art of story just by listening to him recount times from his childhood and what was formative for him as a man and we have a complicated relationship because he's He's conservative, um, Fox News watcher, but he's also 80. So there's a lot of context to why he is this man that he is. But we have beautiful conversations and he was my teacher in that regard. And then I have a sister, a half sister from my dad's first marriage. And she was always challenging the status quo. And I give her so much credit. I give her credit in the acknowledgments and on her knees because we would just all sit in like a white evangelical, like long dining table at Christmas, just like, hi, how was your year? Oh, good. How was your year? Like that very boring white people conversation and just a lot of like repressed everything. And she would be the one who'd say, well, I gave Billy a blowjob <laughs> just in the middle of Christmas Eve dinner just to watch the table disrupted, just to see people react to it, just to shake them. And I really saw what she was doing. I don't know how mindful she was of it, but I I was like eight years old watching her and I was like, dope. I like that. So I think these three experiences really honed in on that. And then when the evangelical church told me I was confined to uh, childcare at worship, so, you know, I just never wanted that world. I never believed the crop of people who were standing on stage tell me they had it figured out. So I never wanted to be that person, but I wanted to be a storyteller. So, I mean, you mentioned this sexual shame. Like, so, I mean, you're in this household, your sister or sister in law, sister, half sister, half sister, yeah, is kind of disrupting everything. You go into this evangelical world and experience shame. Like, what, what shape did that take? Well, to be completely candid, I, um, which is this is very common for uh, females, especially, that you start exploring your body really young. And I started masturbating as early as I can remember, probably three years old is my first memory. My mom handled it beautifully. I remember she just came up to me and was like, hi, we do this in our bedrooms. And she was like, you can go upstairs. And I remember the gentleness of her voice. And it was so beautiful that she did it that way because she was so full of sexual shame that it was amazing. She went beyond herself to be like, no, I will do better for my daughter. And I watched her do that. And that's beautiful. So I never had shame about that at all, which is also an uh, interesting thing because 
then when I got to evangelical church at 12, which is this very formative time, I describe it in On Her Knees as my sexuality was like a tree growing through cement. It was like burgeoning and blossoming and it wanted to be full and free and strong and capable. And it was just cemented over by this toxic doctrine that I was being given. Like God cries when you masturbate, which I never bought that one because I was like, first of all, is he literally up there like please really are you sure he has time for that and then also i had the privilege of the formative experience of discovering shame versus conviction and that is so important to realize because when I hear evangelical pastors talking about, you know, after you masturbate and you feel that crushing guilt and the conviction of God, and I'm like, screw you. That's actually not conviction. That's shame. Shame knocks on your door like a vampire and asks to come in. It's an external force outside of yourself. Conviction is that slow, like steady, beautiful ping of divinity that says, oh, not that, not that. And like, for example, I'll masturbate all day long. I know my friend Lauren Deliri will too because she posts about it on Instagram all day <laughs> and we're sponsored by the same sex toy company it's great um, but you know if I if, like I see porn and then I'm not sure there's a consensual agreement here and it's not ethical then it's like ugh. And you feel that, or if you engage your body in a certain way or with a certain person, learning your body has just been so beautiful. But all of that said, I knew how to separate shame and conviction with masturbation. I would just laugh at them because I'd be like, no, I never felt shame and I'm not going to take that on now. But I did not have the wherewithal to get rid of sexual shame about virginity and how that was the most valuable thing I had to offer, not only my future husband, but my divine God. And that hit me so hard because I loved God so intuitively, as I said, that when I heard these things, my heart was broken. And you hear a lot of evangelical girls say that, or like, I broke my heart that I knew that I was hurting God. But that's why you have to retrace these ideas and where these thoughts came from and if they belong long to you or not, because I would unpack them later and realize they're not my own and I don't want to live that way. But we're talking about a 15-year journey and On Her Knees chronicles all of the very terribly sad things that I went through because of purity culture and that toxic theology. I keep joking that I should write an addendum or an extra book to be like, and this is an erotic story about the good times because there's almost no good times in here. But that is the product of this doctrine that we've been given. And it takes a long time to unpack. Yeah. Boy, does it ever. So, I mean, you you recently came out as bi. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> like, I, I would love to hear how that even factors in here because as, as you said like this is a fairly recent dis- discovery for yourself what was it like to put those things together and and then to hold that up against i mean this history of yours of of i mean purity culture sexual shame all those things to to finally come out like like um, tell me about that well it was funny because i responded to the little nas x video Call Me By Your Name. Love Lil Nas X. So beautiful. And I hadn't watched it. So I wanted to watch it live with Grace Baldridge, similar. So I go to her house and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm realizing I'm bi. And she was like, 
Okay, but do you know that you told me this like a year and a half ago? <laughs> She's like, I affirm you now and I affirmed you then. And and I remembered that I had said that. But looking back, I was trying it on for size, especially to, you know, a, no one likes this term anymore and it shouldn't be used. But like a gold star lesbian, you're like, well, you're... And I know that I went to her specifically <laughs> now in retrospect because it was like... If anyone in the LGBTQ plus community is going to tell me, oh, no, you don't belong here, it would be someone who is like a pinnacle of the LGBTQ community. And um, her affirmation of me, oh, my God, it's like I manifested her. She's right behind us. We're talking talking about about you. you. I'm talking about how I came out as bi to you twice. And the second time you were like, thank you. I know you told me already. (laughs) 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 So um, that was a really beautiful day. I'm so glad you're here to hear this because um, watching her affirm me, especially the, the question I had of like, but I haven't been experiential with it yet because I wasn't allowed to even consider myself that way. And I realized in our conversation too, that I, it's being straight passing is such a gift in this toxic society and in toxic faith because I watched how my brothers and sisters were treated and I watched them go through suicidal ideation and, and all of these horrible things that we put our brothers and sisters through as Christians. And it was just so easy to be like, yeah, sure. She's hot. But like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Cause why would I ever want to put myself through that? It was so easy to just engage with men and, and there was enough sin and shame there. So I'm like, I'll just do all of this type of sin, but I don't need to do that. So in quarantine and, I already tried my coming out story for size on Grace once before, but then quarantine happened and I was really sitting with it. And the story goes that I was watching Star Wars and I was like, I want Daisy Ridley and more than Adam Driver, Uh, but I want Adam Driver. Oh, my God. And then this whole (laughs) Rolodex of women, starting with Wendy from or was it Wendy? Winnie from the Wonder Years. And then a whole Rolodex of other women leading up to Dua Lipa, who's now my pinnacle. <laughs> yes. But um, I mean, who isn't attracted to Dua Lipa? I don't know. Raise yeah. your hand, but show hands. <laughs> <laughs> but that was only birthed from your original question, which is like, how does your spirituality and your identity in Christ, so to speak, inform that? And it's because I was given so much freedom from the deconstruction community and watching everyone else teach me and educate me and have conversations with me that allowed me to believe I was worthy of discovering myself. And Grace also said something amazing, which I was like, I would be fine if I never, like, I'd be fine if I never came out. Like, it would just be fine. And she was kind of, I don't remember the quote, but it was something like, is that enough? Like, don't, aren't you worthy of just going the extra mile and really integrating yourself as a fully realized human being, no matter what you do with that physically or how that manifests. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So then, then it was said and it was on the internet. And then I had to deal with the repercussions later, which were interesting. (laughs) I want to hear about those, but but I I mean, I I feel like, and I'd be curious if you have seen this too. I, I feel like there is this pushback happening both outside of the LGBTQ community, but also within the queer community of like, all these women are now coming out as bi. Yeah. And and almost like a 
it's like a disbelief or a questioning of whether like that can actually be true or if it's just like this quote unquote trendy thing that that's now happening. And, and I would be curious from your lived experience of, of why, let me not be the right question. You know, as someone who, who was raised within purity culture, who is just coming out and, and just kind of getting in touch with this part of yourself. But it also sounds like there's this portion of you that is saying like, this was always here. I just never, I just always redirected myself. Those intersections of I'm coming out now. And yet a lot of people are coming out now, but it's not a trend. At least that would be my assumption. (laughs) Yeah. It's more of a collective conscious movement. And that's, that's the comfort I take in it. Cause I definitely had the moment where I was like, I'm just trying to be cool. Right. And I was really afraid the queer community would be like, Oh, you, like, I just thought it would be dismissed as like, Oh really? You've been advocating for us. And now you just want to say you're one of us. And I was scared of that. And instead on that Lil Nas video, there's so many men and women that are like, Oh my God, same. And I'm married to a man, but I'm bi. And I just came out to him and I've had beautiful experiences in my personal life with, I've gathered together a group of four different women who just came out as bi in quarantine. And we all have unique stories. One of them is married and she has been having sex with women her entire life, not her entire life, but since it was appropriate, she's been having sex with women, but she was always, she would try to tell people like dip her toe in and be like, Hey, and she would find, you know, cause the queer community also has work to do. She would find a gay person to say like, well, that doesn't mean anything or, Oh, but are, do you want to actually be with her? No, then you're, you're not. And it's, that's not true. It's, it's just a sexuality and romance can be a different story, all of that. But, um, she came out to her husband and told him like, look, this is a part of who I am. And, and then everyone questions, Oh, does that mean you're going to leave your husband? Does that mean you're going to do this, that, and the other thing? And it's been beautiful to watch those women who are in married or committed relationships with men and their men. So, beautifully standing up and being like, I'm fine with this too. That's been so validating. And it's like, no, I'm not going to leave him. I just want to be a fully realized person and really walk as divinity made me to be unashamed. And I may act on it. I may not, but I'm just letting you know who I am. And that's been beautiful to just watch people go through. And I will add men too. I've had so many men come out to me in my personal life. And I don't know, I will be ashamed if I represent this wrong. But currently, when I see the word heteroflexible on dating apps, I think it's so amazing. And I love it because I feel like it's bisexual or pansexual men that are like, but maybe. And <laughs> and that is kind of a safer route because it is scary to come out as a bisexual person because you get all of those questions. And I feel, I still feel with certain friends or I know with certain friends, they're like, okay, we'll prove it. And those are perfectly woke Los Angelian people that are just like, let us know when you actually prove that you are. <laughs> so whatever, there's a lot of eye-opening that's happening and it's collective. We're learning it together. You're invited to join me at the 2022 Q Christian Fellowship Conference. If you've listened to Queerology for a while, you've heard me talk about this conference. It's an annual gathering where hundreds of LGBTQ plus Christians and allies gather. There's a worship, community, workshops, and keynote speakers. 
People make lifelong friends at this thing. I, I've made lifelong friends at this thing. It's always a lot of fun and is super healing. I usually end up in tears at one point or another every year. <laughs> Keynote speakers this year include several queerology guests that you've heard before. The Reverend Dr. Yvette Flunder, Reverend Mihi Kim Court, Caitlin Curtis, Paula Stone-Williams, and yours truly, me, <laughs> Matthias Roberts. For the first time ever, the 2022 conference is going to be offered virtually and in person. So you can connect with LGBTQ plus Christians and allies from all over the world at home or with us in Albuquerque, New Mexico on January 20th to 23rd. Visit qcfconf.org to learn more and register using the discount code QUEERology for 10% off in-person and virtual registration. That's qcfconf.org and the discount code QUEERology. I can't wait to see you there. You mentioned these repercussions. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about that. I don't think my mom would mind this story. I don't think she would. Just so you know, my mom is amazing and she's a wonderful woman and she is on a journey as well. I really believe that because of the way gay people have been treated, she was just probably really happy that I was straight and I had other issues with my sexuality, but you know, that's not something she had to watch me go through that abuse. So she saw my video. I did a terrible thing where I didn't I don't know if it's terrible or not, but I didn't tell her. I didn't warn her. I didn't tell her first. And she's my best friend. So she had the best friend lean where she was like, how dare you tell the world before you tell me. But I was trying to explain to her. It wasn't like a big proclamation. It was just a casual thing, which may or may not be true. And then the other thing is just realizing that she just didn't want me to have to go through anything. I have a baby and, you know, she was like, what if his family hears or what if, and, and I got to challenge that and be like, well, what if then what is, you know, and if they judge me, what does that mean? Does that have anything to do with me? That's their problem. Yeah. I mean, your whole YouTube channel, I mean, you don't just cover sexuality, but you do a lot around sexuality and and your whole kind of thing is sex positivity. And and I'm curious because when, when people say sex positive, it can mean a lot of different things. What does it mean to you? I love the term sexual integrity so much because in evangelicalism, we were given purity culture, be pure, be good, which really comes down to be unpenetrated, which is so silly because um, Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers is here. And when she did my God is great podcast, she said something so beautiful. We were talking about whether or not Jesus died a virgin. And I love playing with theology and asking questions and coming to different stances or believing different things and letting it shift. That's the most beautiful thing to me. So when I learned that, or when I had this conversation with her, I was like, well, I could see Jesus being so connected to divinity that his life was orgasmic and he didn't need to have sex with anyone. Or I could see sex as like one of the most heaven touching earth kind of experiences we share as people and that he had divine, beautiful, amazing sex at its most sex positive. And I kind of leaned towards that because of Mary Magdalene. I don't know why she was crying so hard at the bottom of the cross and wiped (laughs) off his body in the morning. Like, sounds like a lover to me. I'm not, I'm not saying that's theology. I'm just saying, but Tina, Dr. Tina was saying, so what is sex though? And what is making love? And she brought up this beautiful story of this couple who's the, the, 
the husband was on his deathbed and they were both up in their years and his wife got naked and laid beside him in bed while he was naked in the hospital bed and they held each other and played with each other's hair and she was like is that not making love was it not making love when the alabaster jar was broken on Jesus and and she wiped his feet with her hair. Like if that's not sensuality, I don't know what is. If that's not making love, I don't know what is. So it's not just about penetration. It's about everything, embodiment and what you are giving to the person and receiving and and it being mutual and reciprocal and enthusiastic. Enthusiastic consent is a brand new word to me over the past like year. And I'm so glad young people finally have that word because we need it. So sexual integrity. Mm -hmm. It's all of those. Sexual integrity is mutuality, enthusiastic consent, embodiment. I have often said that with the evangelical script of your heart is deceitful, your flesh is evil, we are taught to seriously disembody and say this portion of ourself is holy and divine and this portion of ourself is unacceptable and disgusting and not only disgusting but it's going to lead us to hell is going to be the way devil communicates with us like don't listen to your heart it's satan what right what <laughs> so embodiment comes with like physical practices it's breath work it's it's all these things i've learned from jamie lee finch in her book you are your own and tara tang there's a lot of embodiment coaches that are coming up in these spaces and they're teaching all genders how to live embodied and i was saying in my book reading this morning that the very first time i had fully integrated sex I'm going to curse, sorry, was with a fuck boy. And I was in this just behavioral pattern. It was just a pattern that I'd been in. When I found out my husband had cheated on me years and years and years ago, I had this pendulum swing where I went from I'm pure, I'm unpenetrated, I'm a good girl, all the way to the other side of whatever, whatever goes. And unfortunately, I didn't have sexual integrity to guide me. I didn't have self-worth to guide me. I didn't know I was truly divine. I was told I was a dirty glass of water because I was having sex with people. So when I read Linda K. Klein's book, Pure, in the like final chapters, she talks about how she chose for the first time to have sex with God in the bedroom. And it's funny because it's just a mind trick. God is ever present. Divinity is always with you. But I noticed that every time I went to have sex with someone, I'd be like, okay, God, you wait out here and I'll be back in a little bit. And Linda K. Klein said, no, you bring in everything. You bring your entire being. This reminds me to the term Satan in the Bible and the original means the divider. So when you're dividing and saying, this is good, this is bad, I'm doing this act without God, but I'm going to go with God later. That is literally satanic in the truest sense of the word. So instead, I rejected that and I had a fully embodied experience. And as soon as I clicked into, I looked at this guy and was like, oh my God, is this really what I'm doing? Because it just looked wrong and I knew it wasn't right. And I did it anyway. And instead of doing the usual, like, oh, okay, God, thanks for joining me or the shame you're supposed to do, which is like begging for penance and walking across the floor on your hands and knees, asking to be acceptable again. This man left and I sat on my couch and I just communed with divinity and I felt, how do you feel? 
do you like him? Like talking to my best friend, like how did your body feel? Call your body, not an it, but a he, a she, a they, whatever you want, but not an it. We, we use that term to dismiss things. We call animals it so we can slaughter them and mistreat them however we want. So don't do that to your body or animals either for that matter. And that was beautiful. And I, I might still mess up one day because I'm single. So I still have experiences ahead of me. But the process of learning how to be fully integrated in sex, I'm having the best sex in my life, not to brag, but I am. <laughs> and it's because of embodiment and full acceptance of myself. And then, and then seeing the Imago Day, the image of God in my partners and honoring them with that. I mean, this is making me think of my work <laughs> and this, this sense of w- when we move from the place of shamefulness, when, we, when we're using shame to control our sexuality to shamelessness, when we're using sex to control our shame, like I, either one of those are places of where something else is making the decision for us. I mean, arguably that's not true, but like it's two opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and as I'm hearing you talk, like you're, you're talking about sexual integrity, which, you know, integrity is also this word integration like how do we integrate every part of ourselves and when we do that i mean you're saying like we make different decisions like all of a sudden the people that we're sleeping with or you know whatever area of our life we're integrating we're actually looking at those and saying do i actually want this is is this actually good for me is this integrating and kind to my body like all of those things that you're talking about tie in there and i see you advocate for that in so many areas on your youtube channel like for example you were just debating michael brown (laughs) dr michael brown all the men who love to debate abortion and tell women how to feel about it yeah and and but i i mean i see you advocating for that sense of nuance in these conversations which i think nuance tell me if this feels true to you the way you approach nuance is also this this integrative work. Would you say that that's true? Nuance yeah. and integration are similar? Definitely. I love everything you're saying. And your work is so important for that. Thank you for that. Because it's so wonderful. I feel like I'm just digging up all these things. And then it's amazing to have friends I adore. And I can be like, here's a resource. Here's a resource. He's a resource. It's such a blessing. Because I do not have that, that skill. But... You're reminding me back to the pendulum. These are two extremes. I always say I hate purity culture. I also hate hookup culture. Hookup culture is what I lived in for over a decade. And that was dismissing men because men always want sex. Like, you know, men deserve their me too reckoning too. I've been talking to a lot more men who lost their virginity, quote unquote, with their babysitter or their mom's friend or when they weren't quite ready. That is rape and that is not enthusiastic consent and because of this cultural lie that men always want to get laid a lot of us have disrespected men and i haven't called back men i've broken many people's hearts i'm sure because i was like well you got laid like leave me alone what else do you want from me and who told me that church and society and everybody and it's simply not 
true. So hookup culture is also gross. I don't like it. It's like both, like you put it beautifully, shame or these external factors, pain, shame, and fear are leading both of those charges. And what I want is fully integrated people in the center of the pendulum. And then sometimes you hook up with a fuck boy and you're like, oh God, why did I do that? But it's just a gentle swing because then you swing back to center and then you do something really divine with your body. And just there. I want to raise my son there and I want to lead everyone into the middle of the pendulum if I can. Speaking of raising your son. So, I mean, you're, you're now raising a child. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and I imagine you can tell me this is true, but my imagine is you're trying to raise this child differently than how you were raised. No, I'm putting him in youth group immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what does that look like? Cause I mean, I'm going to reference Dr. Tina's work. Like Dr. Tina talks about like we parent, especially around sexuality around our shame like our shame will usually drive the sexual messages regardless of what we're saying out loud what we haven't worked through within ourselves is going to be passed on to our children yeah so so i'm curious like even as you're parenting what does it look like to to raise a little one (laughs) as you're even trying to work this out with yourself I want everyone to have access to this. I don't want to be a woman of a brand new baby who's like, child. having a child is just like such an elevating. I know so much more. But I think the power that parenting gives you is an opportunity to honor yourself if you allow that to be true. Like looking at him, I could say, all right, maybe I don't know I'm worthy of only sleeping with men who truly honor my body, but my son definitely deserves to not have any of those idiots in my life affecting my mental health and the way I behave. So I can't do that on his behalf. And then it ends up going back to my inner child work where it's like, oh, really, you can do that for him? How about yourself? Like, do you not think she's worthy and challenging those ideas? And it's a journey, but I am, it's beautiful, like what I'm learning. And I'm engaging with people that are truly healing parts of my sexuality that I really needed. And I do it for my son first. And then it's translating to my inner child. And I hope people without children have that same access. Just look at a, a friend that you adore. Look at pictures of yourself when you're a child or those, those moments where you knew you were worth it. It feels like the, in some ways, that's the definition of self-compassion. Like if we put different words around that, like I'm thinking of Dr. Kristen Neff's work, which I mean, she defines self-compassion as treating yourself the way you would treat a close friend. And you're saying like, what does it actually look like to even treat our children that way, but how that reflects back onto us too. Like it feels like such a different way of parenting. (laughs) than how I was parented. Same, same. Has that been hard for you? No, it's been exhilarating and fun. It's like a do-over. And also the more that I heal myself, the more my parents are healing themselves, which is amazing. There's always an opportunity intergenerationally for all of us to take care of each other. I also think more about my ancestral line. Thank you again, Lauren Deliri. And really tapping into women and what they've been through before me and what informed their choices and what brought them pain and how that manifests in my body just through my makeup and also through the stories that I've been told from these women. Like none of us women have ever not been cheated on and betrayed by a partner. And I never wanted that to be a part of my story. And then it was 
my first sexual experience ended in betrayal. And that also informed so much pain. And I was like, well, great. Now I'm retelling the story of every woman before me. And I hated that. But in healing all of that and realizing I can break these chain, like these these traumas and these intergenerational issues and then pass on to my son this healthy sexual ethic. I'm honored to be raising a boy as far as I know, unless he reveals himself to be different, but I'm honored to be raising someone who is going to be a man in the world and hopefully leading people into integrated experiences himself. And yeah, the whole thing has been healing and exhilarating and fun, but hard work, but fun. Sure. Sure. Um, so for women who, you know, over the pandemic, I, I mean, I have a lot of clients <laughs> who have been making similar discoveries as you, you know, who over the pandemic are realizing I might be bi. Uh-huh. who are coming out or who may not be coming out at this point, but are thinking about coming out. What would you say to those folks? I mean, you've been on this journey. I mean, you're still in some ways new on this journey, but you are a little bit further along and you're talking about it. You're sharing your experience. What would you share to folks who are maybe a little bit earlier in their journey than, than you are? I really love the term open in general for everything. I'm open to information and knowledge. I'm open to hearing other people's stories. I'm open to different theological points of view, as long as they're not hurting anyone, which unfortunately is rare. So I think so much of it comes with the fear of how it will be received and then what it means for you. Like, does it mean you're leaving your husband? Does it mean you were remiss to not explore your bisexuality and now you're regretting it? Like it can have so many implications and it is pretty, I was going to say easy. It's not that it's easy to stay straight, (laughs) but it's like, you can choose not to challenge that idea of yourself and live pretty unscathed, except internally. They're going to suffer for it a little bit, at least. So I just think the openness and the realization that you call yourself by, and then you could be like, oh, or maybe I'm pan. Actually, I'm feeling, I know definition is important and sometimes it could be freeing. Like I found progressive Christianity to be a really f- amazing validating term when I heard it. And then I watched every evangelical church get scared shitless of us and start demonizing progressive Christianity. So I stopped. I'm like, well, I'm not a progressive Christian anymore because now y'all redefined it into something that does not resonate with me. And I'm not taking Taking your black and white definition again. I already lived in your black and white, so I'm not doing it again. So I'm not that. And you just have to get to know me in here and you can decide for yourself, I guess. But sexuality feels really similar to me. I really love my Gen Z audience. They'll sign an email with like seven different disclaimers of who they are and how they define themselves. And I love it. And at the same time, it's not really for me. Like I honor that in others, but I'm just like, well, you know, I'm just open. And I think just having that freedom, just relax. You know, what's great sense of humor laugh a little bit. Like everything doesn't have to be so heavy. Like am I just like watch a movie and take a day off. (laughs) Am I bisexual? (laughs) That's the truth. Yeah. Like for the love of God, have some levity. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. How can people find your work? 
on her knees is on Amazon. I think it's still 50% off right now. So go swoop it up. Get multiple copies for your friends and enemies. Might help somebody. (laughs) 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 And um, that's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And then... Where else? God is gray. YouTube.com slash God is gray at God is gray on Instagram. I'm horrible with DMs and emails, but I'll try to get better. No, but don't, be part don't of the community. It's, it's a beautiful community. <laughs> I love that sometimes I, I I wish I had more time and capacity to answer every single email I get because people put their hearts on their sleeves and I honor it and love it so much. So never stop doing that because even just the cathartic experience of writing it and putting it in the world can be so freeing. But then I have this whole community that'll grab you. And you're not going to fall. You're safe. And you can look at my follows and be like, oh, here's this person, this person, this person. They have rates. I can actually talk to them and get the healing that you know I might have uprooted and, and let you know that you needed. So I have a different kind of capacity, I guess, for that. But I am still here. And I've built this community intentionally to make sure everyone's safe and held and taken care of. I love it. And I mean, you, you truly do have such a great community. Like, like, I feel like you are one of the people who, when I think about community work and building community, like you're doing it. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having it's been me. been a blast. Yeah. Thank you. Be sure to check out Brenda's YouTube channel, God is Gray. She's on Instagram at God is Gray. And grab a copy of her book, On Her Knees, a memoir of a prayerful Jezebel, wherever you buy books. Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is on the air because of you. To find out how you can become an active listener and keep Queerology going, head over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. A really easy way to support the show is by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app or go to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the show or just want to say hi, reach out. And until next time, y'all, bye! You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.